Genesis chapter number 41. Genesis chapter 41. We're going to continue our series with Joseph. And uh, this, this morning we're going to look at uh, Joseph the Stranger. Joseph the Stranger. Genesis chapter number 41. And uh, I've read through these passages many, many times, uh, or through this, the, the book of Genesis rather many times, and, and through these pages. And uh, I've often wondered uh, about Joseph's treatment uh, to his brothers. Uh, in other words, when Joseph is promoted, as we saw last week, and he is second in command in all of Egypt, and, uh, and you look at the fact that his brothers come up, and they, uh, they're there, and they're, they're in need of food, and he recognizes them. The Bible gives us that right away, and, and yet he kind of treats them uh, harshly. And, uh, and I've often scratched my head at that and thought, well, why did he do that? Was that vindictive? Was that revenge? Uh, what was really the purposes of all that? And I, uh, I don't know that I uh, had come to some conclusions, perhaps, that uh, I was unsure of. I, I really didn't know. But this morning, uh, I think we can come to some conclusions. I was reading and studying on this, and, and uh, I think these will... Uh, these conclusions will really fit the whole of Scripture. And, uh, and so we'll draw some conclusions about the why of that treatment and, and how he, he treated his brothers and how they uh, reacted to a lot of it. And uh, so we're going to look at that this morning. But uh, we looked at the fact last week that Joseph had spent 13 years in Egypt before he was promoted. After he was promoted, remember that the Bible says that there was uh, seven years of prosperity in Egypt. And so we're talking now seven years after that. That would be a total of 20 years since Joseph has seen his brothers. Now that's a long time. Um, and then the Bible would give us later, you'll find a little bit later in the passages, that uh, the brothers did not come up until roughly two years into the famine. In other words, they were able to sustain themselves for one year of the famine, but, uh, but the following year, in the second year, uh, they were not able to, and they had to come up to Egypt. And so we're looking at about 22 years worth of time uh, that Joseph had been separated and had not seen his brother. And uh, his brothers and uh, and you'd read it and you might say, well, that's kind of odd that his brothers didn't recognize him. Well, after 22 years, you got to imagine he was 17 years of age and 22 years uh, would put him at uh, 30, almost 40 years old. Uh, I'm not real good with math on the fly, but somewhere in around there, uh, 20, 37, 9, so 39, uh, if I did that right. And so he, he, from 17 years old to 39, that's a big change. And, uh, and Joseph, at this point, he did not look like a Hebrew. You have to remember that as well. The Hebrews and, and, and Egyptians were far different in their appearance. Not only their appearance, uh, but the fact that in 22 years, I'm sure, I have no doubts whatsoever, that Joseph was fluent in the Egyptian language. They didn't speak the same language as the Hebrews. And so uh, there was the linguistical difference. There was the appearance and the dress. I'm sure that uh, Joseph did not dress like a Hebrew, but dressed like an Egyptian. We saw last week that he was given a new wardrobe. So he looked like a high-end Egyptian, not just uh, an everyday Egyptian. And then on top of that... Um, that in all of that change and the language, uh, his name had been changed as well. Uh, remember that. And so they weren't calling him, hey, Joseph, hey, Joseph. So there was 
absolutely no indicator from, uh, to their brothers that, hey, this was their brother Joseph. Uh, it, it, was, it was completely foreign to them. And, uh, and matter of fact, it's interesting. I, I don't remember what chapter it was, but one of the chapters, I think it was 42 or 43. It's amazing as the brothers go back to their father and they recount the story. Uh, I, I was counting the amount of times and it's amazing how many times they refer to him as the man, the man. The man clearly indicating that they had no idea, not even the slightest inkling that that Joseph was their brother. So in Genesis chapter 41, we're going to read just the last couple of verses here and uh, and into chapter 42 to kind of pick up from where we were. And so Joseph had been promoted. Joseph has done preparation now for seven years. And look with me in Genesis 41 and verse 55. And the Bible says, and when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried unto Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to study your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray as we look at um, this passage, these chapters, really, and uh, Joseph being viewed as his brethren, uh, as a stranger, I pray that you would help us to uh, learn. I pray, Father, that there was, there's lessons that we could learn from this passage that would apply to our lives. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And God will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage, uh, there's a lot that can be, can be noticed. And uh, we stopped there at verse number uh, 4. We stopped at verse number 5. Let's go ahead and read verses uh, verses 6 down through 10 there, and uh, because in these passages we're going to see Joseph's patience. Look at what it says there. And Joseph was governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. 
And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land are ye come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. And they go back and forth. There's some back and forth there. But as you read this passage, uh, I want you to understand uh, that Joseph exercised a great deal of patience in not revealing himself to his brothers right away. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes. I, I, I sit here and I think about these passages and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, if I were Joseph and I had not seen my brothers in, in 20 some years, now now, if he had saw them two weeks afterwards, oh, it would have been fists, no doubt. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. But we're talking about 22 years. I mean, the anger had surpassed. Uh, things had, had changed in Joseph's life. And there's no doubt that, uh, that he recognized that he was in the place that God had established for him. And so, uh, just in seeing his brothers, had it been me not being able to see your brothers, uh, letting all things go in the past, to be in the past, after 20-some years, years, I would have said, man, it's so good to see you, giving him a hug. But that's not what Joseph did. Joseph holds off, and we see a great deal of patience that's exercised by Joseph on his behalf. And you wonder, what, what in the world is going on? Well, as we look at this, we will certainly come to some conclusions. We'll, we'll uh, draw some observations about what is going on. But I want you to notice Joseph's timing and his patience. Uh, Joseph waited for, for a while. He, he did not reveal himself right away. Uh, and as we look at this, um, we're going to look at the testing that took place in the next section. Uh, but, but there was some testing that was going on. Joseph was curious after 20-some years uh, whether or not his brothers had changed. Remember who his brothers were when, when he last saw them. They were not good people. A matter of fact, they were relatively wicked brothers. I mean, his father sent them constantly to check on him. Hey, what's going on? And, uh, and of course, they took and bound him, and they actually wanted to kill him. Uh, but instead of killing him, they said, hey, we're going to sell him into slavery instead. So you understand that Joseph's brethren weren't good people the last time he had saw them. And, and it's not out of a sense of revenge. We would often look, read this and say, well, Joseph wanted to get back at them. Well, if Joseph wanted to get back, at them, there was certainly a lot worse things that he could do. And so I think Joseph was testing them. He wanted to see uh, if they had changed. And listen, sometimes people change over years. Um, I'll never forget uh, <clears throat> the story Brother Mark Rogers told when he was here preaching, and, uh, and I guess it stuck with me because uh, the people that he was talking about was actually my roommates in Bible college. And how that family had gotten out of church and 20 years of time had gone by, not 20, uh, maybe 10 years of time had gone by and, uh, and those boys got back into church. And, uh, and today those boys are serving the Lord in ministry. And so what happens? Hey, people change over time. Sometimes uh, they, they, you know, they do go a wrong direction, but they do change. And so Joseph was looking for that change in his brother. He wanted to know, had they changed? He wanted to know, were they still the same? Uh, and he was hoping and looking for uh, good in his brethren. And sometimes, boy, it's hard to be patient. It's hard to wait. But, uh, but at the same time, we understand that, hey, people do change. You'd look at your life, and you think about your own self, and you think, well, over the past 20 years, how many mistakes have I made? Well, that's embarrassing, to be honest with you. 
And you look at them and you say, mm, I don't, yeah, let's not, let, we're glad that's in the past. Let's leave the past in the past, amen, and let's go forward. It's a new year. Let's not bring up uh, old stuff. And certainly, uh, Joseph's brethren would have thought the same. And so, so may we understand that if we've changed in the past 20 years, there's certainly other people can change in 20 years. And we ought not hold people to the same uh, as something that happened so long ago, uh, just as Joseph was saying, hey, I hope and I wonder, have they changed? And so we see that his timing uh, in that he was going to hold off and say, you know what, I want to observe, I want to see where my brethren are at. Not only that, but I want you to notice Joseph's temperance. Look with me in verse 23. As we think about how patient Joseph was, he said in verse 23, they had gone back and forth and uh, Joseph had, had done some things. And, and we see in verse 23 of chapter 42, 42, 23. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them as by an interpreter. And he turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them Simeon and bound him before their eyes. So we see Joseph's temperance in that he exercised great restraint over his own emotions. Joseph was there and he was talking with them and he talked through an interpreter. Uh, he didn't talk with them in the Hebrew tongue. Why was that? Because he didn't want them to know he was his brother. And so uh, he was using an interpreter and he would talk to that person and that person would interpret for them and, uh, and, and that would just give him the idea that he was not Joseph. And, uh, and, and as he talked to them, he listened to what they said. He understood everything that he said because he spoke Hebrew. And as he was listening, what they said hit his heart. And, and he, had to, he had to leave. And, uh, and he had to go cry somewhere. He just was not able to hold it back, but he did not want to reveal himself in front of his brothers. So he goes out and, and, and he cries and then he turns and he washes his face, I'm sure, and comes back in and he keeps himself together so that he can uh, finish what, what he's wanting to see and this test. But what a display of temperance that Joseph displays in his life. As we think about temperance, temperance is the moderation or control, and I like to define it as spirit control. As we were going through the fruit of the Spirit, that was one of the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And so one of those things that Joseph was, was displaying here was control uh, and able to control even his own emotions and his own self uh, under a, a time that was certainly uh, very emotional for Joseph. And yet he held himself together. And, uh, and so as we look at Joseph's temperance uh, and the timing, and, and we see that Joseph was certainly a very patient person. As we look at this chapter, we see the first visit uh, that, that as they came in, Joseph, of course, accused them of being spies. And then he threw them in prison for three days. And, uh, and then, and then uh, finally he turned them loose. And in this what, that we just read, he was locking up Simeon and he was going to send the rest back. And, uh, and that's all some of the uh, things that, that Joseph was doing. But the second time as well, Joseph controlled his emotion even when they came back the second time. Go with me to chapter 42. We're there in verse, or 43 rather, in verse number 30. 
chapter 43 and verse 30. And this is when Joseph is again with his brethren. They have gone and they've come back. And we see in verse number 30, And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face and went out and refrained himself and, and said, Set on bread. So this is the second time they've come back. And, uh, and again, Joseph has exercised great uh, temperance and self-control uh, under all the emotional pressure uh, that he was, he was excited to see his brothers. He was excited for the change that he had witnessed that take place. Uh, but, but we notice that Joseph is also very controlled over his own spirit. And I'm reminded of a verse, Proverbs 16, 32. The Bible says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. And what a great verse. And what a great display of that in the life of Joseph. What a great encouragement as we look at that and, and we say, hey, you know, emotion is not a bad thing. But uncontrolled emotion certainly can be a bad thing. I mean, anger, uh, uncontrolled, can certainly be a bad thing. And a lot of emotion can be, if it's not controlled, can be a bad thing. Not that it's wrong in and of itself, uh, because we are emotional beings. God made us that way. Uh, but there are times uh, when we need to re exercise restraint on those emotions. And Joseph certainly displays that in his temperance as he deals with his brother. So we see the patience that Joseph was displaying as he's working with his brethren and he's there. And I want us to look now at the probing that Joseph was doing. What was going on as Joseph treated his brethren like this and, and, uh, and what was he really hoping to accomplish? Uh, Joseph was really looking for the heart of his brethren. If Joseph had revealed himself... Right in the beginning, as soon as the brethren came in, and he says, I know them. That's my brother. And, and he had said, hey, I'm Joseph. If his brethren had not been repentant and had not changed, what would have their reaction been? Lie. Cover it all up. They would not have displayed that there was no change. They, they, they certainly would have said, oh, Joseph, we're so glad to see you and, and we're glad that, that uh, everything turned out well and we're sorry, uh, even if they had not been sorry. They, they would have lied to cover it all up. And, and so Joseph uh, starts this whole series of tests and probing uh, to find out what is, what is the truth of his brother. And, uh, and as I read that and, and, and thought about that, I think that's truly what Joseph was hoping to uh, accomplish. And it's, it's amazing the resemblance of the treatment uh, that Joseph gave his brother and to the, to the similarities of how he had been treated. But again, I don't think it was revenge. I don't think Joseph was a revengeful person. And you look all the way to the end of the story and you say... Yeah, I don't think it was revenge based on what Joseph said. And we'll look at that. We'll see that. But, but then what was the purpose of it all? Well, the purpose, I think, was testing. And, uh, and as, as his brethren came, uh, he starts testing them. Look at the first test there in verse 9. Chapter 42 in verse 9. Go back one chapter. I had it in 43 before. 42 verse 9. The Bible says... And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And as you look at that, remember, 
Joseph had been sent many times by his father to check on his brothers. Could you imagine brotherly love says, oh, here comes the tattletale. I mean, he's just coming to find out all the bad things that, we, that we're doing. And that's exactly what they told him. And basically, they accused him of being a spy for their father and coming out and seeing what is going on so that he could go back. And he did bring the evil report back to his father. We saw that as Joseph the son. And so uh, as they're looking at that, and Joseph says, no, you're spies. Uh, you, you've came up to see the nakedness of the land uh, and to see how well Egypt is doing and you're preparing for an attack. And he accuses them of that. And, uh, and I don't know, uh, I kind of take it partially, honestly, as, as Joseph just following the Lord. I, I don't think, I, I thought about this for quite a while. Imagine Joseph uh, for, for years as a slave. And he'd finish up his work and he would go to his bed and, and, uh, and he didn't have TV and he didn't have Facebook and he didn't have the internet and he didn't check his email and uh, he didn't look at text messages. And so he would go to his bed, he literally probably had no friends as a slave, and he would go to his bed and he would sit there and he would think. And he would stop and say, I wonder why I'm here. And, and contemplate where he was at in his life. Contemplate, what am I going to do when I see my brothers again? I remember the dream that I had as a child that, that, I, would, that I would be over top of everyone and, and that they would bow down to me. And, 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 and I could imagine Joseph just running through his mind his life. And of course, the entire thing takes happen, the scandal, and Joseph is thrown in prison, and, and boy, you thought he had a lot of time on his hands as a slave uh, in a prison. I mean, he probably had even more time on his hands just to think, and he didn't, again, he didn't have TV, he didn't have any entertainment. Uh, I mean, you think about his life, uh, a lot of time in silence and solitude to think and contemplate. And even if Joseph had come up with a plan, when I see my brothers, this is what I'm going to do it would have been literally impossible for him to, uh, to know under what circumstances he would run into his brother. It was literally impossible to know what day it was that they would show up and how he would handle all of those circumstances. So I don't think Joseph exactly had it all planned out in his mind because I don't know that it would have been possible for him to come up with everything. And, and I do think it was kind of of the Lord that Joseph was trying his brothers and testing their heart to see where, uh, where he was. And I don't think it was revenge per se. Look with me in verse number 17. So Joseph accuses them of being spies. Verse 17, and he put them all together into ward three days. Basically in a room in, in solitary confinement for three days. And uh, locked them all up. And he said, hey, you're going to prison. And uh, he initially said, hey, I'm going to send one of you back to your brothers. And, uh, and he's going to bring back your younger brother. And that's, uh, that's how I'm going to know that you're not spies. Uh, but after three days, uh, he changed his mind and said, you know what? I'm going to send you all back home with food. And I'm going to keep one of you. And I think that's kind of uh, representative even of how Joseph was thrown in the pit. And his brothers initially said, hey, we're going to kill you. 
I mean, I don't know if he knew that. I don't know if he overheard it. I don't know if he knew what was taking place. Maybe they just threw him in a pit and, uh, and he was thinking, they're going to leave me here. We don't really know everything that took place, but we do know he was thrown in a pit and then later he was pulled out of that pit and he was sold into slavery. And so things changed. And it's kind of interesting as, uh, as it comes down to his brethren, they're thrown in jail and then they're left there for three days, but then everything changes and we find there, in verse um, verse 19 and 20, he gives them the change of plans. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, bring, and, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and, they, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And so Joseph uh, let them all go, but it's interesting, in verse 24, he, bound, he binds uh, Simeon uh, right before their eyes. We already read that verse. And, uh, and so he's tying up Simeon. He says, hey, uh, you know, the Simeon's going to say, it's interesting because he, he did it right before their eyes. He could have just taken him out and ushered him out and said, hey, put this guy in prison. But no, he bounds him right in front of their eyes. And I think it was kind of significant of how Joseph was bound and Joseph was sold into slavery and, uh, and they watched as all of that take place. And it's interesting, look at verse number 21 because this is really the heart of where Joseph is going, I believe. This is something that Joseph is looking for. And he says in verse 21, uh, or rather the passage says, and they said one to another. So they're talking amongst themselves. They said one to another. We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And so the test reveals they admit we were wrong. They, they openly admit it. Matter of fact, uh, Joseph was able to hear that. And, and that's what Joseph was probing for. Uh, he couldn't come out right and ask them, hey, have you guys changed? Have you, have you, are you guys sorry about what you did? Well, of, of course, any brother is going to say, well, yeah, of course we're sorry about what we did. You ever hear two brothers fight or siblings fight and, 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 and mom says, hey, you apologize. And brother, sorry. Yeah, he shows he was real sorry, wasn't he? You might say the words, but there was no feeling. And so Joseph wanted to know the true heart of his brother and where they were and the fact that it was a heartfelt repentance, not just a vocalized thing that they had to say sorry because after all, Joseph was in top in command and he was the most powerful guy in Egypt and he did control the corn. And, uh, and if he didn't want to forgive them and sell them corn, he could have made their life quite difficult and quite hard. But we find that they did repent and that's what I believe Joseph Joseph was probing for. And we look at the transformation. So when they first come, boy, he was rough and gruff. Uh, listen, sometimes hard trials and rough treatment really show where the heart is, to be honest with you. And, and I think that's what some of what Joseph was doing. Go with me to chapter 43 and look at verse number 15 and 16. And when they returned, Joseph was a lot friendlier to them. Look at verse number 15 and 16. And the men took the present that they had, and, and they took double money in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up, and went down to Egypt, and stood before Joseph. 
And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home and slay and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. All right? When he said slay, he wasn't talking about his brothers. He goes, slay the fatted calf is what he was talking about. And so he said, hey, go, go slay the fatted calf and, and get ready. Hey, we're going to have a meal. Bring these guys to my house. And again, so he's not, he's not outright saying, hey, I'm Joseph. He probably talks through an interpreter and said, hey, you take these guys. And so these guys, they don't know what's going on. And, and, uh, and they said, hey, we, we got to go to their house. And, and so then they're brought into the house. And Joseph is going to test them in a very kind, compassionate setting. So the harshness would reveal the true identity of their heart. But also sometimes, listen and the blessings, sometimes people say, yep, man, I'm so good. Wow, I, I just deserve all this. And so Joseph, wanting to see really where his brothers were at and find out, hey, how did they react to good conditions and fair, favorable conditions? But not only that, uh, we see that he prepares the feast. And look with me at verse 34. I find this is interesting. He says, and he took and sent messes unto them from before him, that would be plates full of food, but Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs, and they drank and were merry with him. Let me explain this really quick. When, uh, when, we, when we went to Peru, uh, one of the cultural differences that we had to get used to is if you ever went to somebody's house, they never served you with an empty plate. Uh, our American culture, if you have people over for dinner, you know, you go sit around the table and everyone has an empty plate sitting in front of them and there's food on the table and, uh, and you take the portions that you want and you take what you want, what you like, what you don't like. Well, in, in many cultures, you don't do that. In Peru, you don't do that. It's considered very rude, matter of fact. And so uh, if you have guests in, uh, all the food stays in the kitchen and the, the plates are all served and they bring you out uh, a big portion. I remember I went to a wedding one time, and uh, I was a missionary there, and so uh, they, they treated me really with great favor, great respect, and they brought out, I mean, it was a double portion. Now, I don't eat like a Peruvian. Matter of fact, I would tell them all the time, every function that I went to, I told them, I said, serve me a child's portion. And they still gave me more than I could eat. I'm not kidding you. And so they served me with a double portion, and, uh, and, you, and I, I was... I was smart by this time. I sat by a good Peruvian friend. And, and I knew that this guy had a, a hollow leg. So that's why I sat by him. I, and I would eat. And I'd scrape some off on his plate. And I'd eat. And I'd scrape some off on his plate. And I'd eat. And I'd scrape some off on his plate. And man, he devoured most of my plate and his plate too. And so he was happy and I was happy and everyone was happy. Uh, but, but that's what's going on in this verse was that uh, they would bring the food out to them. And as they brought the plates of food, when, when it came Benjamin's time, hey, it was five times the portion of the other brother's. I mean, he got served the best of the, uh, of the best. He got served the most. And, and could you imagine as his brethren, what, what was Joseph doing? He wanted to see, was there still jealousy in the hearts of their brethren? 
Were they going to look at Benjamin and be upset because Benjamin had been favored and that just as Joseph had been favored and they were very jealous of Joseph, did that jealousy still exist? And so he was probing again their hearts because he wanted to find out, hey, had they really changed or was there still jealousy involved in that? And then look with me in chapter 44 there in verse 1. After the feast, uh, I think he found that they, they were not jealous, but uh, there was really no problem. And so chapter 44 and verse number 1 there, the Bible says, And he commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. Now he did this when they left the first time, too. He returned all their money. That's why they brought double portion of money back. And uh, he said, Don't worry about it. I got your money. Verse number 2. And put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. Joseph is setting them up now. He tested their jealousy to see if they would be jealous of Joseph or Benjamin. But now it's getting worse and he's setting up Benjamin for a fall. And so he has his special cup put in Benjamin's sack. And so then they, uh, Benjamin is not aware of it. None of the brothers are aware of it. Matter of fact, they grab their stuff and they leave. And uh, what was Joseph doing? I think he wanted to see how they would react to Benjamin's demise after he had been treated favorably and, and say, hey, uh, are they just going to abandon him like they did Joseph? Were they truly changed? Were they really different? Had their hearts been different towards Benjamin? And so as you read down through there, you'll find that they, uh, they went off and, uh, and then Joseph sent a man saying, hey, somebody stole my cup. And, uh, and they goes and, and they, they said, well, it wasn't us. And, and, he, and so he said, well, get all your uh, sacks down and open them up. And they opened them all up. And finally, uh, they got to Benjamin and they opened his sack and boom, there was the silver cup. And they said, this guy, he's going to jail with us. Now, this was a true test. They were already on their way home. There was nobody there. They could have easily just said, oh, sorry, Benjamin. Tough luck for you. See ya. C'est la. C'est la vie. And they could have left. But they didn't do that. And that was a true intent and a true test of their hearts had they changed. And we see that the brethren were like, this is really bad. We cannot go home without Benjamin. Dad has already lost Joseph, and we cannot afford to lose Benjamin too. And so all of them, they all turn around and they pack up and they say, hey, we're going to go back. All of them went back. They could have just sent Benjamin back and sent him to jail, but they didn't do that. And it displays a true heartfelt repentance that they did. And we find that uh, jo- Judah tries to reason with Joseph. You can go back and read that story in chapter 44. And, and he tries to uh, change things. And, and, and they, they, they absolutely would not. And, and so uh, as he's talking with them, all of these trials and all these tests, they proved and they proclaimed that, hey, the, the brother, Joseph's brethren, had had a change of heart. And so uh, what, a, what an incredible probing that Joseph does. Go with me to chapter 45. And we, we find Joseph's proclamation. We see Joseph's patience in how he did not reveal himself right away. We see Joseph's probing and the testing that uh, he put his brothers through in, in those two chapters. And then we find in chapter 45, Joseph's proclamation. Look with me there. It says, Then Joseph could not refrain, refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me, 
and there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Boy, could you imagine being in there? I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that room. I mean, he is already, this is not the first time they saw him. They recognized him as um, Afnath, whatever his name was in, in the Egyptian language, and, and he spoke Egyptian, and he did not talk directly to them. They, they were used to dealing with him. He was very rough with them, and then he was very kind with them and, and, and dined with them. And, and we find that, uh, that, that, that they were just so taken back when he spoke Hebrew, the first things probably that he said with them was, I am Joseph. And they probably did not even believe their ears. And put yourself in their minds just for a moment as they're flooded with guilt, doubt, fear, and all the emotions that would have flooded them as well as we can't believe our brother's still alive. As well as, is he going to hurt us? And all of the things that go on. Uh, this fellow wrote this, and, and it was really good. James Murphy says this, The natural voice, the native tongue, the long-remembered features would all at once strike the apprehension of the brothers. The remembrance of their crime, the absolute power of Joseph, the justice of revenge would rush upon their minds. No wonder they were silent and troubled at his presence. And here they were just absolutely silent. All ten minds just scrambling in different directions of, what is going to take place next? And you can see the, the trauma at Joseph's proclamation and how they were fearful and they were concerned and they didn't know what was going to take place. Look with me at verse number 4. And Joseph said to his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Verse number 5 now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Not only the trauma that we could see that they had going through their minds and their hearts, but we see the triumph of Joseph's proclamation. And Joseph was very clear. He said, yes, I'm your brother. I'm the one that you sold into slavery. But listen, don't be angry with yourselves. Don't be upset. Don't be fearful. God brought me to a place where I could be here and I could save your lives. And God is the one that, that brought me to this place. That's why I don't think Joseph was really revengeful. I think he was testing. I think he wanted to know the true heart of his brother uh, brothers and know where they were and, and know what was going on in their minds. And throughout the entire process, I think Joseph very clearly was able to see their repentance and able to see the change. And, and after the, the 20 years, Joseph finally was able to see that vision that he had when he was 
17 come true that, hey, God had brought him full circle and brought him to a place in his life where he was able to save his brethren alive and his father. What an incredible proclamation that Joseph made. What an incredible example of forgiveness over 22 years of ups and downs and trials and tribulations and difficulty. And Joseph recognized that all the bad in his life uh, was, was all, uh, as the Bible says, for we know that all things work together uh, for the good. That's in Romans 8, 28. I, I messed it up, but let's read it really quick. It says, um, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Joseph recognized that in his life. It wasn't even written then. But he recognized, hey, God's brought me to this place. And yeah, yeah, I've gone through some hardship. Yes, I've had trials. But to me, he's looking back and saying, it's all been worth it to bring me to a place where I could save you, where I could be useful in God's service. What an incredible, incredible testimony that Joseph had here in, in Genesis 45 and verse number 5 in his proclamation and the triumph of the grace and triumph of uh, how, how really he was used of God in an incredible way. What a lesson for us as we think about all that Joseph went through. He was really a stranger to his brother throughout that whole portion. They didn't know him. He knew them, but they did not know him. But we see that Joseph had a great proclamation at the end. And his brothers truly did change. And there was a, a great rejoicing and family reunion uh, there with Joseph. What an incredible lesson for us. And I hope that that's a, a blessing and a help to you. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We think about everything that Joseph went through. And yet what an incredible ending to that story. Father, we thank you for the life of Joseph. What an example to us in the, the patience that he exhibited, the temperance in controlling his own emotions. God, what a, what a probing that he did with his brothers to find out where they were and, and truly they had changed, truly they had repented, truly they had admitted that it was their fault and, and that they were wrong in what they had done. And God, what a great amount of repentance that was shown on the part of Joseph. Or forgiveness, rather. What a, what a great example of forgiveness that Joseph displayed towards his brethren. God, I pray that you'd help us. That we would be as forgiving and recognizing of your moving and your working in our life and not blame others or be upset at others but know God that you're always working and help us to accept your will in our life. God I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can in Jesus precious name we pray. Amen. We'll just have a short hymn of invitation.
All right.